0: As we come to this time of instruction under the Word of God, let's turn in our New Testaments to Colossians 1.18. Colossians 1.18. The very Word of God about us. Colossians 1.18. He also is the head of the body. The church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Now, this message series is called Organic Spirituality. What is that? It's not about diet, it's not about spiritually eating more fiber or something like that. Uh, organic. Uh, although a good diet is pleasing to the Lord, it's not about breathing techniques and special spiritual techniques. Uh, it's not about any kind of spiritual self-help. As we hear all about spiritualities and all about wellness and wholeness and how all these things just kind of just are, are floating around. No, no. Organic spirituality is all about the real connection, that we have with God because it is about something that God has given us through his son God the father, son and holy spirit. God the holy God the the unachievable, God the unreachable by sinful humans took up humanity took up human flesh became one of us to come and rescue us but not just to rescue us in the sense of moving us from one category to another and now you're among the saved but literally to connect us to himself through his flesh jesus god became a man the word became flesh and dwelt among us and it is through jesus and it is through what christ did on the cross on our behalf, remember what he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the answer is because he took my sins as one of us. He took your sins upon himself and was punished in our place. And he has obliterated what comes between us and God. And when we put our trust in Christ We not only have a relationship with Him, we have union with Him. There's just nothing in between. It's so close. It is union. And He will always be there. And He will always give us all we need as we live with Him. And so from Colossians 1.18, I want to talk about two things that we find, that we are looking for. And we find from this text. First, We find our identity. And second, we find our family. We find our identity when we become through faith in him and what he's done. And when we receive the risen Christ into our lives, we have union with Christ. Uh, You could put it this way. We are in Christ. That's used 161 times in the Bible. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. But you know, at that same moment when we put our trust in Him and we have union with Him not to ever be severed, at that same moment we gain another relationship at that very same moment. And that is with the body of Christ. United to Christ we are also united to one another as his body. We read in Colossians 1.18, and Christ is also head of the body, his church. Now, it's really interesting about the closeness and the sense of union in all of this and how profound it is. You know, the Bible teaches that In one sense, I mean, definitely Jesus and his church are are different, but in one sense, you can't really distinguish between Jesus and his church because he's the head of the body any more than you want to lop a head off of a body. So there's so much one that they're, in a sense, indistinguishable. And we, we, we remember in the book of Acts when the Apostle Paul, as he was writing up to Damascus he was persecuting the church he was going to bring the believers back in chains he's going to put a stop to this this cult this sect of the Nazarene and God apprehended him on the way and knocked him off of his horse with this bright light and and this thunder and do you remember a question came from heaven to Paul Saul as he was called Saul Saul the voice said Why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Because Saul knew that that was God speaking. I am Jesus whom you persecute. This is fascinating because all of the book of Acts up to this point talks strictly in terms of Paul persecuting the church. And when Paul even talks about his life before he met Christ, he says, I was the persecutor of the church. I was the persecutor of the church. So why does Jesus say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Because Jesus and His church are just that close. And you can't have Jesus without His church. He is the head of the body which is His church. I mean, this is, this is kind of exciting because it kind of talks about who we are and why we belong with God and why we belong in the body of Christ. Because of this, the, the kind of this, I don't know maybe how to say it, Jesus, yes, church, no, yeah, I like Jesus, but I don't really need the church. Can I just say that at base, at, at the lowest common denominator, speaking biblically, that, that is a very unnatural thing to say. Why? It, it, it's unnatural because the Scriptures teach that you can't have Jesus the head without the, having the church, his body in the bargain. And there's no such thing as somebody who has union with Christ that does not also have union with his body. There are, there's such thing as people denying their union with the church. But there's no such thing as a real believer that has no union with the church. One scholar states, just as a foot has no life independent of the body, so too, I have no independent identity apart from Christ's body. It's, we are the church, the church in the building, the church isn't in the, just a sociological movement for morality. We are the church. It, it is an organic, living organism, a body like your body is living and organic right now. That's who we are in union with Christ and in union with the church. And you literally have to reject who you are to live apart from His church as a Christian. It is denying your true identity. And this is so important because union with Christ... And therefore, union with the body is our true identity. And at a time where there are many discussions about identity of all different types, that is one of the big buzzwords now. This is huge. I love what Rankin-Wilburn says in his book. I recommended it last week, Union with Christ, The Way to Know and Enjoy God. He says, you can truly only understand yourself. In communion with God and others, he says this is very foreign and counter—a very foreign and counter-cultural concept in our individualistic, individualistic understanding of identity. And this is the sentence I love. But at the deepest level, we don't form our own identities; we find them in Christ we are given our identity as a gift because we are given salvation with him and union with him and with his church I just love that language we don't form our identity we find it wouldn't it be great if we just went ahead and believed that and just Quit worrying about our identity and just embrace who we are as children of the king. Just embrace who we are as the beloved of God, the forgiven of God, the very adopted sons and daughters of God. And if we could just embrace that and embrace, therefore, that we have brothers and sisters all under the headship of this Savior, it would be wonderful. Because this this is our real identity if you know Jesus. This, this is the best one. This is the true one. This is the healthiest one. This is the lo- most love-based identity. This is the most meaning-based identity. This is the most un- one-another-based and other-center-based identity that we can have. And in the Scriptures, in our text, just Colossians 1.18, it gives the reason why this is so important. It gives us the reason why this is so Let's go back to Colossians 1:18. He is also I'll talk in a minute what comes before that. He is also the head of the body, the church, and or really could say four because he is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead in order that he himself will come to have first place in everything he is the beginning now if you if you read colossians 1 1 through 17 everything that that comes before this it's talking about the preeminence of christ over all creation it's talking about how he is the one from the beginning he's the creator and everything holds together in him Uh, he is the one who, who, who is over all things and um it's just glorious but we start it. Verse 18 of Colossians 1, and it's not about creation and the praises of Jesus because of creation. It's about the new creation. It's about redemption. It's about Christ and His new creation. Christ and His church. He is also head of the body. The church. He is the beginning. The firstborn from among the dead. What does it mean? The meaning He is from the beginning is simply this. He is the original. We derive our life In Him, from Him. He is the original source of the church because He's the firstborn from the dead. Now, we know Jesus wasn't the first person to rise from the dead in the Scriptures. We have some people in the Old Testament. We have some people in the New Testament. But you know the difference between Jesus' resurrection and those resurrections is this. Those people came back to life and then they died. They died again when Lazarus came out of the tomb. You know, he stinketh. Don't come out, Lazarus. And, and uh, yeah, it was amazing the power of Jesus to literally give life to the dead. And it reminds us what he does in our lives. But Lazarus died later. No, Jesus is raised and ever lives and reigns at the right hand of, Of the Father, and what it means is this is that in himself, who is from the beginning, who is the source, because he is raised from the dead, the firstborn from the dead, in himself he has life. And in union with him, we have life in him. And we have life together in him. We're going to live forever in him This is this is amazing stuff So first we share our identity in we are in Christ we are in the body of Christ that's who we are Secondly we not only find an identity we find a family There's different things that the church is called it's called the body, it's called the army of God, it's called the family of God, it's called the flock. I mean, there's just a lot of different things, that metaphors for the church. But when you receive Christ into your life and you, you gain union with him, you receive a family. The body of Christ equals brothers and sisters. My brother, my sister, because I'm in Christ... And you are my family. This is significant. You understand we live in a world where people are so isolated, titillated, and lonely. And God is saying you are the family. And you can live as the family. The Bible really talks about the church in, in two major ways. There's what's called the universal church. And by the universal church, we simply mean the church in all the world right now and technically throughout all time. All the people who have ever believed Old Testament, New Testament, and are in the world and will believe that whole number, you know, that one day we'll we'll be at that, that last banquet of the Lamb in heaven. That's the universal church. And that's precious to us. Jesus is the head of His body, the church throughout the world. That means that if somebody is in China or if somebody is in Iraq and they know and love Jesus, they are our brothers. That means that we not only have identity with them, we identify with them. That's why we pray for the persecuted church. That's why we give money to help these refugees that are having to flee from ISIS. And you need to do that. You need to go online and do that. The universal church is beautiful. The, the universal church, you know, it, it's great because it, it is across any racial boundaries. It's across any geographical boundaries. In all places and all situations. But you know, other passage in this passage here that Christ is the head of the church. I mean, it can be very much interpreted as head of the, the whole church, and we are all members of that under his headship. But there are other passages that are, are very much more local church oriented. See, that's the other way the Bible talks about the church. There's the big body throughout the world, but then there are these local congregations, these local flocks that God himself puts together, and that we are a family. I'm going to read a few passages, it's just Beautiful. See, this is what distinguishes us from the Rotary Club. This is what distinguishes us from every other group. I like the Rotary Club, by the way. Just didn't want to answer any email. These passages are about how we we are family together as people that we see and know and how we act as family before a watching world, people we actually see and know in an actual place. Romans 1, uh, excuse me, 12, 4 through 6 is an example of this. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually, members of one another. Having gifts, gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use those gifts you see this is all about right down here on planet earth how we have been given as individuals gifts let us use those let us bring this value of who god has made us to be in christ to the family first corinthians 12 is even more wonderful in, in its description in my opinion for first corinthians twelve fourteen, for the body does not consist of one member but many If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, would that make it any less a part of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, would that really make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? As it is, God sovereignly arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And and nor again can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. We have union with Christ, who is the head of the body, and that comes right down to the local level of the people whose faces I am looking at right now, and who you are, and how God loves you, and how God brings value through you, into his church. We live out the gospel together in a real group of people. People need to see the reality of Jesus Christ, not just imagine a worldwide church. They need to see Christ in us. They need to see Christ among us. Remember in the early church as hordes of people came to Jesus, it was that phrase that was said over and over and over by the watching world, look how they love one another. How powerful it is to be and act out as the body of Christ. You know, I grew up in a church in a, my tiny little town that, that I grew up in, and it felt like I was related like literally it felt like I was related to most of the people and that was because I was related to most of the people. And now not all of them, but a whole lot of them were my blood relatives and, and the rest, you know, it's not a big church, and the rest simply suffice it to say we're called uncle, aunt, and cousin as well, whether I was related to them or not. So that's kind of my only experience with church. And then I went off to the Harvard of the South, Auburn University. <laughs> and, and while I was at that Ivy League institution, uh, I heard the gospel, and God opened my eyes to see that God, unattainable, took human nature, and Christ is the connector, the way, the truth, and the life. And he, he did that for me. And I put my trust in Jesus and I had union with Christ. And the first thing that these people that were discipling me, so to speak, said is you got to. If you're a believer, you got to be a part of a church. You got to join a church. And so uh, so I did. I, I joined a church uh, in college and I uh, began to sit under teaching just like you're hearing this morning as a brand newly minted. Believer, and you know what I found is I found that I had a new relation to people that I had not previously known, and I found that it was it was a profound relation that I had to them in Christ. They were my family, and um, and I found and I and I just love this idea of how this family. This family aligns, aligns love and purpose. And how meaningful that is. To be the church. To live out the gospel with one another before a watching world. To care about the world. To to make disciples of all the world. To to care about people across town. To go and be with them and help them. to, To bring them to... To just have love and purpose with this family. And i got to tell you, I wasn't a believer, so I'm not blaming my church or anything that I grew up in. But I felt more aligned to the love of God, and I felt more purposeful with that family in college than I did my own blood relatives. Because I didn't understand that you can't separate union with Christ from union with His church. I now was a believer. You know, I was like a, a pinky or something in the body of Christ. I don't know what I was. But it was so exciting to me. And, um, and I felt that I was one of them because God said I was one of them. And church meant more to me than ever because of what the Word of God told me about me and us as church. And can I just say briefly, even more so here. Even more so here and now, I cannot tell you the privilege it is to pastor a group of people that I not only love in the Lord, but that by God's grace, I get to enjoy. Yeah, I'm looking at your faces. I like your faces. And I love how big-hearted this church is. I love how open-armed this church is. I love how... how nearly absence of gossip and sniping, this church is. I love how open this church is to, to the Lord's will. And I marvel at the gifts that are possessed in this local body of Christ. And I, I love the, the fellowship and, and the family-ship that I enjoy with you. We have union with Christ the head of his body. Therefore, we are members of one another. In this place, before real people who need Christ, we can love one another. We can prefer one another. We can serve one another in love with the gifts that God has given us. That's the reason reason it's different from the Rotary Club. You don't have spiritual gifts to to do Rotary. And you have these Holy Spirit-given gifts to function where love is aligned with purpose in this church and in the local church. And might I say, you know, part of my role is to be prophetic as well, right? Um, in twenty seventeen, it's it is time in America to re embrace the church. Everything you see in terms of what the poles of people are, and the direction of the church are not encouraging things. And people say, yes, Jesus, church, no. I do not think they understand that we are church. It is time to re-embrace the church. It, this is the precise moment to say the opposite of what you are being told. You are being told you are your own person and you can be whatever you want to be and you can do whatever you want to do and you determine your own identity. No, that's not what the Scriptures teach. If you are a believer in Jesus, you have an identity in union with God as a child of God and a brother and sister in the beautiful body of Christ. Let us embrace our identity. Let us embrace who we are. Come, let us recommit to what is and what can be in Jesus under his headship. Let us serve one another in love and let us love the world around us as his children and as his church. This is a passage that is a call to recognize union with Christ and union with the church because we share in that resurrection life together. This is a call to commitment. And how do I know that? Look at the text one last time. Did you notice that little word, that little phrase at the end of verse 18? Let me read the passage again. He is also head of the body... The church. And He is the beginning. And the firstborn from among the dead. From the dead. Here it is. So that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. He Himself will have preeminence. Is a lot of translations. First, It means first place. This is a call to commitment. This is a call to realignment to biblical priorities that are all about biblical gifts that we can enjoy and give to others. Are you giving Jesus and his church first place? You are his church. We are not to be a virtual family. We are to be a real family. Now look, the same sweet little faces I'm looking at, those are sinners. Like the face you're looking at. And will we will we have bumps and bruises? Will we get out of sorts? Will we get out of line? Yes, we will. But you know what? We will repent. We will say we're sorry. We will reach out. We will maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This isn't some panacea place. This is us, y'all. And we have Christ. And we are sinners. And Christ is at work in our lives. And the world also can see our repenting and see the authenticity of how Christ is working in us and changing us over time as well. We do not need to be a virtual family. That means we are together. That means we make it a priority to be with the body of Christ at minimum in the public worship of God. I know I'm preaching to the choir. You're here. But this is what what the Scriptures teach. It means that when you are not functioning as a part in reality with your presence and your gifts, we are poorer because of it. And when we are functionally connected, we can be a part of something that we actually long for, that only, only the church can give. I love what Augustine said, God is my father and the church is my mother. Only the church can give. That's the way God made it. He's the head of the body of his church. And this morning, we learned that this is not only because of what the church can give us spiritually through what we call the means of grace, through the word and prayer and sacrament. And, and hey, I can pick up some of that stuff online anyway. Here this morning, it, it is more in this passage that we are organically together, placed together. This is our identity together. Through our union with Jesus, this is who we really are, and we can live into that together. And when we live into that together, watch out. Not only is it an incredible thing for our own lives and our own soul, but watch out. That is how the kingdom comes. Jesus said, I will, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it our world needs grace and the love of Jesus our world needs the church even sinners like us who want to walk in grace love and truth let me close by just quoting to you from that great little book the Screwtape letters written by C.S. Lewis if you've never read a C.S. Lewis book that's a real tiny one it might be a unintimidating place to start Screw tape letters is so insightful. It's hilarious. It's all about this this like head demon named Screwtape, tape, this kind of head devil or head demon, and he is uh, mentoring this junior partner demon named Wormwood. And Screw tape, uh, Wormwood is you know assigned to somebody, and his job is to distract that person from Christ, and his job is to tempt that person and keep that person away from Jesus. And, uh, and so there's all this advice throughout the, the, the book, and we kind of see ourselves, and we see the situation. You know, it's why it's such a great book to read. But um, poor Wormwood, the human that's assigned to him, becomes a Christian. So Wormwood is like a loser demon, okay? But, but we learn from Tape, all is not lost, time to do a world of damage to this person all is not lost he can still be distracted Screwtape says that wormwood's mission basically has now changed it was to keep that man from coming to jesus now his mission wormwood uh, screw tape says wormwood must convince that human that the church isn't necessary Krupte tells his junior partner that, hey, on the bright side, fortunately for the kingdom of darkness, human beings so often never see the church as it actually is in the spiritual realm. It's all about alts and shoulds and all these other things. They We, we just keep them from seeing what it actually is in the spiritual realm. And And I quote from... Lewis, he says, in reality, it is, quote, terrible to the kingdom of darkness. It is terrible as a great army with banners. And I confess that the true church is a sight that makes the boldest tempters tremble. That's us. We, if you've put your trust in Jesus, you have God. Through Christ the Connector. You have union with God. We are His. He is ours. And we are the body of Christ. And God, as we read in that passage, has sovereignly, because of His choice, placed us with other believers that we are the body of Christ. We are the family. We can live into being this family if we want to embrace our true identity. And the kingdom of heaven will come on earth in our midst and through us if we do. Let's pray. Lord, we think we know what we want, but you have given us our true identity. Lord, we think we know how we can work our lives to get what we really want, and we miss it. Because it's about love. And not about self. It's about grace. It's about truth. And oh Lord, would you, for those that are in this sanctuary this morning and those that are watching on the internet and those that will listen later, would you now open our eyes to the reality of union with Christ? But would you help us to see that he also is head of his body, the church? Would you help us to joyfully re-embrace our true identity as brothers and sisters? And Lord, even in this humble place of real sinners in need of grace, would you help us to align love with purpose that your kingdom might come? In Jesus' name, amen.